Hey, what's up? It's your boy Anthony Cass Clark, and welcome to another edition of Thoughts Over Coffee Daily. Good people of the world, what is up? I hope that all is well, all is well on this side. Today, I am back. I am so sorry I left you guys without a podcast for about two days. Uh, something came up, and um, I had to travel to South Carolina, which is where I am right now. I'm in the parking lot of a Starbucks. I am in my rental car recording a podcast. Um, yeah, sorry about that. I know you guys been hitting me up about the podcast, and uh, I really didn't mean to leave you guys without a podcast. I just didn't have enough time to prepare some episodes. Uh, but here it is. I'm back on a Friday to give you what you need for your Friday and for your weekend. Um, so this weekend I'll try to record some podcast and make sure I'm prepared for next week. Cause I won't be back in town until late next week. But, uh, today very special episode lined up for you as always. Now I featured, I featured a clip before of Everett Taylor on this podcast. Um, Everett Taylor is a serial entrepreneur, man. He's out here killing it. Um, 30 under 30. Just someone who I all around, uh, I don't want to say admire because admire is a strange word. Someone who I appreciate and someone who I give flowers to on a constant. So um, Everett Taylor was featured on Leaders Create Leaders by Gerard Adams, uh, which is an amazing, amazing YouTube show. So when you get a chance, go check that out. You will not be disappointed. Gerard Adams is an incredible entrepreneur himself. Uh, check it out. Leaders create leaders. Now, before I get into today, today's episode, I want to let you know that I appreciate you for sharing this podcast as always. But if you do me one more favor and share it again, that would be great. So screenshot this podcast, share it with someone who you think would be interested, share it with the world, put it on your Instagram story, put it in your Instagram post. However you decide to share it is fine with me. I promise. But I don't want to hold you any longer. So Let's get into this episode, Leaders Create Leaders, featuring Everett Taylor, founder of ET Enterprises, which includes Artex, Pop Social, Millicent, Haver, Growth Hackers, Southside Fund, and he has so many other things that he should tell you about, which he will in this episode. So I'll shut up. Here you go. Enjoy your Friday. Thoughts over coffee daily. Let's go. You know, it's interesting when you're growing up like that, you don't ever think about how much of an inspiration and how much later in your life you can, you can, how much impact you can make. You think more of like, you're like a you're surviving. Yeah. You're surviving. like, yo, I want to get out of this. Yeah. What was it like for you growing up? Yeah. And so I think what's, what's so interesting about growing up where I grew up, and I'm pretty sure, you know, a lot of you guys are dealing with the same things currently is you're in this bubble, right? You're yeah. in this bubble where you don't even think. Like, you have this idea. Everyone's talking about, I want to get out. I want to get out. But no one's actually doing it, right? And you just see a lot of people just live in this same circle of life, right? Where it's like, you know, get out of high school, uh, go into gangs, end up in jail, shot and killed over and over, over and over. Girls get out of high school or having to drop out of high school because of pregnancy or whatever. Um, people working dead end jobs, you know, all these, you know, uh, single parent homes. Like that's just all you see, but you don't really have anyone unless you're one of, especially, you know, one of the things that we don't talk about, you could probably talk a, a little bit to, you know, being from Jersey is like you have New York City, right? Whereas like you have like the Jay-Z's of the world and all these people that you can look to in that city that have like, man, he came out of Marcy Projects. I can do it too. But when you're from like, say, a Newark or a Richmond, it's like, who do we, who do we have? Who do we have that we can look to? Yeah, real role models. What role model, what person out of these like kind of smaller cities yeah. that actually made it? It's different when you're in LA, it's different when you're in New York or Chicago, but in these smaller cities that you're going through some a lot of the same things, yeah. you're like, well, damn, we don't we don't have anybody like that. Yeah. I don't have anybody from my neighborhood yeah. that was able to do that. And so um, you know, there's just like this sense of of normalcy about poverty, crime, um, just 
lack of resources. It just becomes this normal thing. And, you know, a lot of people, they don't and, understand. And like negativity, it almost yeah. becomes like you just, these, they, you get sunk into this negativity of like, that's it. Like, I'm content. Like, this is, this is going to be my life. That's what it is, man. You go to your dead-end job, you come back, you grab a beer, you watch TV, whatever, you know? And, but the one thing I will like to dispel, and you could probably touch on this too, is that people assume that when you've grown up that way, that you felt like you were missing something, right? You know, a lot of people, they, they hear about stories about people growing up in the hood and they say, well, man, your life must have been so rough. But when you're young, you're so resilient and you're so versatile to like all of all the BS that happens in life. So, hey, me sitting on the floor watching TV because just in case bullets fly through the window was normal for me. For, you know, maybe us not having something to eat that night, that was normal. I wasn't like, oh man, I am living the worst life. Yeah. It was just, this is normal. People getting shot and killed. It was normal. I was seven years old when I first, from my memory, remembering the first person I saw shot in front of me, right? And so it wasn't, but you don't think about these things as traumatic events right, right, right. until later in life. And so I went, like, I still feel like, to me, I felt like I was living a normal childhood. And it wasn't until I was older where I really started to grapple with the trauma that happens to you at a young age and how that affects you later. Yeah. Right. Um, and so for me, you know, growing up playing sports, being in, you know, being in the streets, like I got attracted to the flashiness of like the drug game very, me very too. early on, yeah. you know? And so, um, I don't think I was quite 11, but 12 and 13, seventh, eighth grade, I was definitely selling drugs, doing whatever. Um, and you know, your mom or whoever is that person in your life, you hope that there's somebody in your life that kind of saves you. Right. And my mom was that person for me. She saw me getting into the wrong crowd. She saw me starting to bring in money and being like, where the hell is this coming from? And so she actually forced me to get my first job, which happened to be a job in marketing. And that changed the entire trajectory of my life because it allowed me to start building a skill. And that's why I tell people like, yo, build a skill. Like yeah. have like, no matter what happens, whether it's writing, whether it's, you know, marketing, coding, whatever, you build a skill, no matter what happens to you in life, you're able to go back to that skill. And so that's, was really the inflection point for me was getting that first job in marketing. And then obviously, you know, the time that I was homeless, you know, and my family was going through that. and experiencing How life old were at, you at that point I was I just turned 17 experiencing life at its rawest like I can't I can't quite put into words what that experience is like right to see people at the lowest I mean I'm talking you see people at their bare just man you really see what drives people right when people don't have anything and you know I always say that I'm fortunate that I experienced that because when you see people who don't have anything you start to notice and see what are like the basic human instincts you see what are the basic wants and needs of humans, right? And what really makes them tick? And that's all marketing is, right? Outside of the data and the growth hacks and all that stuff, PR is really understanding consumer psychology. Yeah, psychology, yeah. right? And if you understand people at a fundamental level, right? You can be a genius marketer. And it's not me learning SEO or how to do Facebook ads or whatever that's helped me in my career. It's being able to understand people at a basic fundamental level, right? And understanding how that changes depending on their social economic level. Wow. Man. What what was it for you that like shifted? That made you really realize that, like, okay, I got to take my destiny into my own hands. Right. So being homeless, 
I had so many different experiences being homeless, right? So I was pretty popular in high school, but when you're homeless, you're not able to shower like you want to. Like I was still trying to get make it to classes. You know, I went from being the cool kid with the cool kicks with the fresh cut to being the smelly guy, the guy without, you know, and it you you really learn how people change or the people that truly rock with you. Mm -hmm. Like I was speaking at St. John's earlier today and I was like, the people that you think really support you or rock with you aren't going to be there when times really, really, really hit rock bottom. So it was my first time learning at a very young age. Some of us don't learn this really until adulthood. Learn that how fickle people are Mm -hmm. and how you know, you only have a really small circle of true supporters during the rough times. Um, And then, you know, seeing like the most compassion of someone sharing their food, their last bit of food with you when you're hungry, right? To, I was living outside of like like a broken down car to someone busting the windows in a car. So I kept all of my belongings in this car and having somebody bust the windows in that car in the middle of winter to steal the stuff, like steal my stuff. That's all I had. Wow. You know? And so you go through these highs and these lows where it's like, man, like that was like one of the like most like rock bottom moments, you know, when I was homeless, when someone broke into my car and stole my stuff. And I slept in there and it was wintertime, right? And so, dude, like I don't have, I have a broken window that doesn't shield me from the elements, right? But then another time where it's like, hey, I am starving, I am hungry, and somebody else out on the street gives you some McDonald's. Like, they, they got some, some money to get some McDonald's, they give it to you, right? Like, those moments where they don't have to do that, right? This person doesn't have shit either, but they have that much compassion in their heart. Right. And so you never truly lose hope. And seeing those moments where people are so compassionate, like I used to wash windows at the gas station or ask people to shovel their snow or whatever I could to like make money. And, you know, those days where you do that and someone gives you twenty dollars to wash your windows. And that is just like, bro, that's this is this is dope. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I can do this. I can take this. Or you made enough money where you can stay in a motel for a night. And you're staying in, like, a, a motel that's $39 a night. But you're in a bed. And you're so grateful. And you're like, there's only 15 TV channels in here. And it smells like cigarettes. But, man, like, I am so grateful. And safe. I'm safe in that moment. And those moments is what kept me going. Those moments and those acts of human decency made me continue to believe like these things are are happening for a reason. These things are happening to keep my spirits uplifted. A lot of you think you have real problems, but you haven't lived that kind of life. And if you have, then there's no excuse for why you can't change your life like Everett has, you know? And seriously start to put yourself in the right positions to actually master a craft, go out there, be resourceful, and start to actually build yourself up as an entrepreneur. Bet on yourself. So let's get to it because I wanna know, how did Everett go from homeless to now being a co-founder and having ventures in Growth Hackers, Millicent's, Pop Social, Skirt, and now his new company, Art Noir. So what's next for you? Like, when was that moment of, like, first, first triumph of like, yo, I broke out of this? Right. So I think it's, you know, I preach about, you know, you have like conscious creators, right? Mm -hmm. And like I preach about like living intentionally, like knowing what your goal is, right? And then making sure you're taking the steps to accomplish that goal, right? Mm -hmm. And so I knew for an application, for a college application was $50, right? I knew it was $50. So over the course of three months, I'll put money away, put money away. It'd be like, okay, I got a few dollars today. Either I can get, you know, two burgers and fries or I can just get this burger and fries from from McDonald's and then that's it. And I can put this dollar away. So I put money away, put money away over two months and I had enough to pay for my SAT. This is why I'm homeless, B. Like, pay for my SAT and, and pay for one college application. Wow. One college app. And the crazy part is that like you could have went you could have went back to hustling. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could have you could have went back to that, but you had your your mother basically who like basically no. No. No, it wasn't even an option for me. Yeah. It wasn't even an option and you know growing up all the male figures in my life were in jail. All of them in jail, you know? And so it was like I knew what that led to. Right. You know, and you see some entrepreneurs right now too, sometimes they're doing things, not even illegal things, but they're working with things that aren't very long term. It's right. like you're investing in so much that is just it's just a very short-sighted business. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, I knew that about being in the streets. It just really wasn't it wasn't an option for me, you know. Yeah. Um, but so you always still had like no matter what, even in those like hardest, darkest moments, like you still, it's unbelievable to me how much you still had a vision of where you were going. Like you right. knew like, okay, I'm still gonna take these steps because I know I'm gonna get out of this situation. Yeah. I'm gonna get this college degree. I'm gonna figure this yeah. out. Yeah, you know, it's so. gonna happen, right? And so, you know, for me, you know, I was able to take my SATs. I remember the day I took my SATs, like, I took three buses. I probably hadn't showered in a couple days. Like, I looked awful. Like, I wow. remember the, the, the person coming in and was like, sir, like, are you, are you in the right place? Do, like, can I help you? And I'm like, no, I'm here to take the SAT, right? Um, so I take the SAT. And when I tell you that moment of just focus and just motive, I, I hate taking tests. Right? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I hate taking tests, but bro, I literally treated that like it was like game seven of the finals. Like that was my my moment, right? Wow. You know what I mean? And so when you get that big damn package, because you know you hear about the big package, right? It's like when you get the big package, you know you got in, right? <laughs> you know? So it's like just that moment of just being hype and just knowing and like saying F it to all the counselors who told you like, yo, apply to community colleges, don't try this four-year university thing, or like, ah, you should probably try to go for like a safer school if you're only gonna, like, that was just like a moment of validation for me. And I was even more like, that is what catapulted me like, yo, I really gotta get out of this situation because I'm a Virginia Tech. Like you knew, now. like I'm meant for more. This is my yeah, sign. Like, I gotta, I gotta do did it. You, and, did you, were you a man of faith for God? Like, did you feel like I? Absolutely. And like, you know, for me, it's like I'm praying every night. You know what I mean? I'm even during my lowest moments. But that moment, it was like, it's crazy how everything shifted and things started changing. Good things started to happen, and I was able to get out of that situation. Yeah. And so my freshman year of college, I started working for United Way as a marketing coordinator for the whole Southwest region of Virginia. Right. And so I used that money to help pay, right. pay off, pay off for college. And um, so after my first year, got to leave. Right. And so, um, you know, pretty interesting story of me leaving college and coming back home and wanting to work in tech. Right. And so LinkedIn was the, all the rage. Right. And so so, you know, I created LinkedIn and I'm applying to all these companies for marketing roles, tech companies, regular companies, whatever. No one's getting back to me. And the natural marketer in me is like, yo, let me A-B test this, right? Like, I'm going to test this out. So I create a fake LinkedIn profile. I forgot what the guy's name, maybe like Billy or some shit like that. But, uh, and I put it with like the most vanilla white guy that you like literally, you know, yeah. uh, straight, straight and narrow white guy right. that I could, right? And send it out to 10 test companies that I really wanted. Same resume. Same resume. Now, I switched a few few things around. I'm not going to say it was like the same, but I switched a few things around, right? Essentially same experience resume, right? Seven out of those 10 companies responded back to him, to the fake LinkedIn. That's white guy. crazy. And the, the amount of anger and wow, frustration crazy. that I had in that moment was just, it was unbelievable. Because over the span of, I think it was like maybe two to three weeks, I got those seven responses. After a couple months of nothing and me working minimum wage at Joanne Fabrics, right? You know what I'm saying? So it was like, damn. And you know, to go from a point of 
man, you in college, you're the man, you're popular to going back home, working for minimum wage and people leaving you for dead. And like, you know, my girl dumped me, like everything. It was just, it was just bad. Like it was just a really, really, really right. tough time. And, it, and you, and you like, you found a calling, like you're passionate about marketing, like right. you know marketing, right. you have the resilience, like you have the ability, you, you, you built up, you, you know, you were already built up a little bit of a resume working with United Way, working with these other companies. Yeah. But it's like a racial thing. It's a racial thing and it sucks. It sucks that, you know, that happens. And so I got so frustrated and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to I'm going to make this happen myself. And it pushed me and I think sometimes as entrepreneurs like for those people that are are sitting out there right now that are sitting in their cubicle or working their dead end job and you're like I hate this shit. Like I want to get out of here, right? A lot of us it takes this moment of like we just get pushed. Sometimes you shouldn't have to wait for that moment to get pushed because if you're truly unhappy or you truly feel that you have something to give to the world, something bigger for yourself, just do it now, right? Don't wait. For me, I got pushed into that moment, right? right? And uh, I was like, you know what? I want to start a company. And so I started this company and it you know, I didn't have the money to build the technology for the company. I had to bootstrap it. So I just started throwing parties. I realized that, you know, people that were 21 and up had clubs and bars and people under 18 had, uh, you know, teen parties and stuff like that. But there wasn't a place for people to party like if you were 18, 19 and 20. And so I started just throwing these events, man. The first event I, th I threw at negative six dollars in my, my bank account. Negative six. Right. The, the venue plus the DJ plus security was gonna, I think it was like $800, $900 hole that I was in. If I didn't, if that party didn't pop off, but I went back to what I knew and that was marketing, right? right? And so the party goes off, you know, I profit, I think like $1,100 or something like that. And it was like the most money I've ever made in my life, right? And so <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm gonna do this. It's like businesses is about finding like, like, repeatable scalable things that you can continue to do right and so I did that and I was able to use that money to pay two guys that I met my freshman year at Virginia Tech to build this technology for me and you know we were able to build it into a successful company and was able to sell that company two years later for a nice amount of money so wow. that completely changed my life and what I tell people my first company is always the first company is always the most interesting because once you do the first company and you make some money, it becomes so much easier to bootstrap mm. after that, that right. first company. A lot of times you got to find side hustles or whatever you can to make that money to build it, to figure it out. I truly respect Everett. And it's not just because he's, you know, this top social entrepreneur influencer and, and Forbes 30 under 30. Like, no, it's because he's truly earned it. I mean, he really overcame being homeless. Some of y'all are complaining when you haven't really been through what a lot of other entrepreneurs have been through where it's like they were dead ass broke or maybe you're in that position now but it doesn't mean that you can't change your life right now you have a choice just like Everett had a choice to be resourceful to go out there he started with just throwing some parties being resourceful and then turn it into an empire becoming a real serial entrepreneur and I take that seriously because a lot of y'all think you're serial entrepreneurs and you're not what were some like key lessons that you learned for the entrepreneurs out there that are on their first startup currently right now yeah. that you would give them advice because not everybody gets to an exit on their first startup too right. like you know a lot of a lot of us including myself like go go through some early on failure first before they're able to get to that first kind of exit what, what, what were some like key key tips that you think you learned if you were to do it over over again um so the first thing is just what we got acquired for like at the time, it felt like a lot of money. You know, when you see anything over a million dollars, like you're 21 years old and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy, right? But you don't really understand capital gains. You don't really understand how much you're going to be taxed yeah. at that amount of money. You're not, you don't really understand. You're not thinking about, oh, well, I can't just take this money for myself. These people that built this for me and like, been working with me on this like yeah. they you know they're jobless now so like they need they need a piece right and so i think one of the biggest things for me was that 
I was in such a bubble in Virginia that I didn't really take enough time to understand how startups work, how acquisitions work, how acquisitions work, um, what the true value of something is, right? Because what we built was like a poor man's version of Eventbrite. Eventbrite's now a $4 billion company, right? right? Um, but I didn't understand like product marketing, how to build a product to be better, how to you know, build really, really, really strong teams. Like, even though I felt like called myself like a tech entrepreneur, like I didn't really have a lot of technical people to like really build a great product. And at the end of the day, you know, I really, really learned that like, man, over everything and building great products is like number one, you know, number one. The reason that we couldn't end up like an event, right, is because our product just wasn't as good. And there wasn't enough emphasis put on like building a great product. And sometimes as entrepreneurs, we get like some MVP shit and like, uh, you know, um, minimum viable product for those who don't know. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I got my company now. We're making money. And it's just like, I just coast. Right. And it's like, no, you got to keep iterating and like keep building, keep moving. And like, I didn't understand that psychology behind building a company. Um, two finances, bro. Like financially, I didn't understand like accounting. Yeah. I didn't understand taxes. I remember our first year, I was like, "Wait, we owe how much in taxes?" And I actually took a loss. I actually took a loss because I wasn't saving that money to pay off taxes, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I and this goes for so many entrepreneurs right now. Yeah. I mean. Jeez, this is like one of the biggest, biggest lessons that you should learn early on. Pay your taxes, man. Pay your taxes, man. Oh, God. I've had to write some fat checks. Oh, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Drake has that line, like, now it's six figures when they tax me. I thought that was the coolest line, but when it actually happens to you. Yeah. Right? Um... And I had to learn that. I had to learn that the hard way. And then I had to learn how to like write off things. I had to learn right. all these, all these like finance things that I didn't really understand. Credit too, right? So for me, with my first company, funny story, you know, we opened up a, a business checking account. We wrote checks and used the debit card for our account. Yeah. We never got a credit card. So when I sold my company, I just sold my company for over a million dollars, right? Um, even though I didn't see anywhere near that. But I went to try to get my own apartment going back to school, and they said, you don't have credit. And I'm like, what? Right? Yeah. You know, you, you're not even thinking about that. Like, use your business to build your credit. Like, your personal credit is extremely, extremely important because you might need that credit one day to get that loan to bootstrap something else or do something else. And yeah. so that's something that I wish I knew, um, knew yeah. at the time as well. And then just also like self-care, bro. Self-care, taking care of yourself, recognizing mental health and, and, and when you're not in a good place, you know? And, you know, don't let the journey of entrepreneurship, you know, put you in a, in a bad, negative place, you know? It could be a lonesome game because not right. a lot of people understand your journey. And it's not until you get older and you really get into it where you start meeting other entrepreneurs and other like-minded people, which you can relate to. You know, a lot of times, maybe probably with your first company, it was like all your friends are like, you know, Drake has that line, like, while my friends are out partying, I'm just making the music that they party to. That's one of the biggest struggles when you're building your first company is most of the people around you are not going to be like you. Right. And it's typically as you build your, your profile and you build your experience as an entrepreneur, then you start meeting other entrepreneurs and you kind of build your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I don't know how it was for you for your first company. But for me, no one was doing what I was doing. No, definitely. I mean, I was up till three, four in the morning working on stuff and my friends were out partying. Right. You know what I mean? And every single one of them was going, you know, to follow the route of getting a college degree, to get a job like 
I didn't, I didn't have any other, I didn't have anybody around me to like even relate to at all. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, it really is the work that is behind the scenes that nobody else sees that will put you in the position to get Absolutely. in the rooms with the entrepreneurs and the people that you should be surrounding yourself right. to. But you can't expect to be in those rooms if you're not putting in the work Absolutely. behind the scenes. Absolutely. And that's what most people don't, you know, I, I think most people don't even realize that. Like people see your success now they don't recognize what the what you actually have been through. Yeah, I think the easiest way to explain kind of my journey is understanding my big why and my little why. So okay. everyone talks about your why, yeah. right? your purpose. So my big why in life um, as an entrepreneur has been to build amazing products that help millions of people that touch touches as many people as possible and makes their life better i feel that every entity within et enterprises is a product that helps people in some way or fashion right and so to do that and simultaneously you know build generational wealth and yeah. and, and things like that right to to get to those companies that reach that many people and touch that many people right there's a huge investment. There's a huge amount of risk to do something like that, right? And the problem is, is sometimes your small why can get in the way of your big why. So my small why was to be, to have like, you know, be financially secure, right? right? My small why was to be financially secure, which completely conflicted with my big why. My big why would say, hey, Go out here, don't take any jobs as like a VP of marketing or CMO and just just go for it. Right. Just just go for the big idea. And so I tell people all the time that you have to understand my journey as a serial entrepreneur is very interesting because you have to understand the big and small why and how the small why thus far in my life has conflicted with that big why because I needed that financial security because I was homeless, because I came from the hood, because I've seen poverty. It was very, very important. Like, it wasn't like, oh, money matters so much. It was more of like, man, I want to make sure, I want security. I but I think that, you know, how is it, in, in a sense, I don't really necessarily know if it's conflicting because, you know, I, I talk about this concept of purpose meets profit. Like, right. I feel like, you know, financial security is, is important, right? right? Like, if you don't like the fact of the matter is like money matters, but like, you, but yeah, but I'll explain to you okay. why. So, you know, throughout my entrepreneurial journey, except for my first company, mm -hmm. even though at the beginning of my first company I was working another job. Ever since after that first company, I've always been a VP of marketing, head of marketing, CMO of another startup, right. which I owned a piece of, but wasn't necessarily your vision. Was not my vision, my company, right? Right while simultaneously building companies. There has not been any company that I've started until Art Noir that I have not been at another job while creating that company. Okay, wow. So think about that. And because of that, because of that need for financial security and that need for like, ah, this is something stable. Yeah. I felt like my companies weren't as successful as they could have been. Because of the energy. It's like Because the energy, right. right? So when Skirt got acquired and I left Skirt, right? And over this past year of 2018, my companies, in terms of growth, have skyrocketed. Because it's for the first time in my life, I said, I am not going to be CMO of a company. I'm not going to be VP of marketing of a company. I'm going to fully put my energy into my own, mm. right? And that's that big why, right? To, to create something yep. that big why. But that small why, which is still important, right? Sometimes that small why can, can conflict with achieving that big why because you need that, you need that security. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I just understand now being able to take a step back and see that because now I'm fully engrossed into my entrepreneurial ventures, my companies of 6X, 7X, yeah. things like that, right? Do you feel that, um, like obviously I feel like you have no regrets. This isn't something that you would, you would change. It's like, but I, I also feel like a lot of entrepreneurs should go through a similar journey of maybe working for another startup or being Absolutely. a part of another company. Because I feel like 
although it also brought that small why brought you that financial security that you were looking for it also i mean the the expertise that you the wisdom that you must have grant like right must have gained from yeah. working with all these other companies and seeing them grow and seeing what works. It's and like extra capital to bootstrap. Right. Right. So I, I don't take that away. But for people to truly understand my journey, they have to first see that I needed that stability. Like I needed to help out back home. I needed that. So some of these people who come from privilege where they can just be like, hey, mommy, and daddy's going to take care of everything. And so I can just go and launch this big idea, right? Yeah. Like Evan Spiegel from Snapchat, brilliant guy, but he yeah. could just drop out of came, college came and, from, just, yeah. and just do that. I couldn't do that. And so that's why my journey is so different in terms of the companies that I've started and the things that I've done, because I've been very, very calculated in starting companies, which I know are going to, like, you don't know a company's going to be a win, but there's a difference between starting a marketing firm right which you like you've already built like a profile of being a great marketer and you know you got clients waiting for you and saying hey guys i got this idea what if we put regular people in cars and allow them to pick up people right like that's 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 crazy right like that's a grandiose idea that may may or may not work right and so there i think there's a difference between the entrepreneurs that are starting like the consulting firms and things like that where it's like okay this is this is it's not easy but you kind of know like hey i get clients i get money i can live but that thing where it's like hey we're going to start twitter in 2006 we don't know what the hell this is right we don't know how to monetize it at all we're just gonna put it out into the world yeah i like the fact that i like your model though in the sense of like creating some financial security but not losing sight of the big why the big idea right of you know i think that that to me is you know is is a replicable model that people can look at as a role model right you as a role model and saying like it may not be for everybody yeah. but i think that there's i think that there's um like a real lesson to be learned there yeah that that has gotten you to the ability ability of gaining that wisdom giving you the ability to be bootstrapped yeah you know and and now go and have and go after the big ideas yeah and in in like I, I tell people all the time i'm 29 years old this is a marathon it's yeah. not a sprint like right. even though i've done all these things thus far in my career man because i started working at 14 so it's been like 15 years and yeah. so it just feels like such long time but it's yeah. like dude, I got another 60, 70 years yeah, wow. in this thing, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, what does that look like, right? This is, this is so early. And so I used to get down on myself on being like, man, why haven't you created the Snap, your Snapchat, your Uber, or whatever? Um, but what I've done with ET Enterprises is that I've created multiple brands that are profitable, that have put me in a financial place where, you know, I'm comfortable, my family's comfortable, I'm able to invest, I'm able to save, I'm able to build, start building this wealth for myself. But then at the same time, I've built enough capital to be able to take a bigger risk, take bigger risks. Well, I think this is like really important because it's like, let's define success. Right. Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs do think that they need to create the next Facebook, Instagram, right. Snapchat, Uber, whatever it is. But like what you're talking about is something that I'm like huge, huge component of right now because I feel like when we talk about this, like changing, you know, generations of poverty and like right. think about generational wealth, wealth, I feel like it comes down to creating different income streams and having a diversified, being diversified and not necessarily right. needing to have like, go after building this billion dollar company one day like of course you should be in a position where you can take big risk like that right. but what you what you've created i feel like is real success right. and what should be you know it should be talked about more right. you know where it's like yo you can be extremely successful building some companies that are doing two three million in revenue four five million right. in revenue, have a couple that are maybe doing five to ten million in revenue but like having a diverse portfolio of Successful, successful, sustainable, sustainable. Profitable, profitable companies, you know what I mean? That yeah. are all bringing in different income streams. What, what's so crazy is like, so you, you, you do a startup, right? And like what Uber was started in 2009, 2008, 2009. So it's been about a 10 year and they still have an IPO. They haven't gotten to that point of like the big payday, right? right. So if you're, for me, instead of going for the Uber IPO, essentially what I've done is create these companies 
that are profitable. I can pay myself salaries. I can give myself bonuses. And what people don't understand is that say you have four or five companies or four or five income streams and like each one on average, you're maybe making a quarter of a million a year in salary. So for this company, I can pay myself 250. This company, I can pay myself 250. And then before you know it, it's like, holy crap, I'm giving myself a $2 million salary a year. And I 100% own my companies and like these things. And you don't, you don't realize that as you're doing it. And oh, because of the success of my companies, now I can, you know, do X, Y, Z. I can go do a speaking engagement and make $20,000 a pop and things like that. And wait a minute. Now, because of the success of my companies and these additional income streams, I'm actually making $3 million a year, right? Oh, I'm advising people and I'm 4 million, you know? And then you're like, wait a minute. I'm averaging $4 million a year over the, these, say, five years. I just made $20 million where you have entrepreneurs who are, like, raising all this money and, like, hoping that they get an exit to even see anywhere near that type of money. Right. Right? right. And so it's just, like, it's just like a different, it's just a different hustle. What would you say is, like, your expertise within marketing you that, know like, maybe so we can give a couple, a couple quick tips? Is, is... Over this past year, it's like I've, I'm actually moving more away from marketing, mm-hmm. right? And really embracing the CEO kind of, yeah. the CEO kind of role um, because marketing is one of, the thing that I've learned about marketing is that the fundamentals of marketing in terms of like how to do SEO, how to do these ads, how to do all this stuff, man, you can teach a monkey to do it. Like it's anybody can do it. The real magic in marketing is emotional intelligence, bro. Like, that's the thing that you can't teach, right? Is that, is that, okay, that email copy, anybody can do email automation, but writing that, like, email that, like, really sinks in and, like, or that, that, that caption on an Instagram ad or, like, understanding that this marketing campaign is really going to resonate with your audience, right? Like... That's that's really what marketing comes down mm, to. And like what that. I was trying to touch on before is that, you know, it it really like a lot of this stuff, like the numbers and all that, yeah, that stuff matters. Like Right. Like you obviously are a data guy, right? Yeah, so there's yeah, this data. That matters, but man, what I'm telling you is like the ability to understand people and try to build that. And like people say, How can you build emotional intelligence? And I say, experience life. Experience like travel, go outside of your friend groups to the, the typical friends that are people you hang out. You ain't got no black friends. What the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, black people move culture, yeah. right? And so if you're trying to be an ultimate marketer and people of color are moving culture, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. And so I tell people all the time, like all these things can be self-taught, but emotional intelligence is one of those things where you have to experience like you have to travel. You have to meet yeah. different types of people. You have to try to understand people that are not like you. Yeah. Like, if you aren't a Trump supporter, like, holy shit, there's a lot of people that support Trump. You probably should want to understand the psyche yeah. of these people, yeah. right? Whether you agree with it or not. And so I tell people all the time, my, my, probably my biggest marketing tip is like, work on your emotional intelligence and understanding of people. Because I love the fact that Everett is telling you straight up that one of the best things that you can do, if you especially, because we all need marketing with our businesses, is to master your EQ, master emotional intelligence. Even if you don't agree with certain people's opinions, understand, start to listen. I think as a, as a society, we all need to have more EQ. Like we're all arguing, we all judge each other so much. And I think that's what Kanye was talking about. It's like, we all need to actually just understand each other more. I, I do want people to realize like this is a 15 year journey. Don't get caught up in thinking that like, you know, I don't want you to compare yourselves to Everett and what he's what he has now to the 15 years of little by little starting these companies. So I just want to give people a little bit of a a little bit of a background from like your first marketing agency, Millisense. New Millisense, yeah. And then, you know, what was it like to kind of like slowly launch some of these companies? Because 
there was focus, right? This did this happened over a 15-year journey where each one, you know, took some time, took some right. nurturing to where it finally got to a place where it was sustainable. You have a team that can run it. So what does that model look like? Yeah, I tell people all the time, all the companies I've started have been completely different, right? So I already told you how the first company came about. The second company, which was Growth Hackers, which was actually venture back, you know, I had couple other people that I started that with. And mm -hmm. I don't really want to talk too much about that because that was, that's just like a completely different, when you're talking about venture capital and things like that, it's just a completely yeah, different totally journey. And it wasn't my idea. I was like, Sean Ellis was Gladys Knight and I was one of the pips, yeah. right? Like, and so I'm very proud of that company, but it wasn't my initial idea. You know, I was able to come along kind of for that ride, right? Um, but that community, if you guys aren't familiar with Growth Hackers, is a huge website community around growth marketing and startups. And then uh, we built software on top of that to help um, teams manage growth and manage their teams and things like that. Building that, it built my profile as a marketer. So before, no one knew I was a great marketer, but being attached to somebody like Sean Ellis building this community, now I'm getting recognized as a marketer and people are reaching out to me and saying, hey, like, can you do this consulting or that consulting? And it was just like, man, like I'm getting reached out to by a lot of people. I probably should start like an LLC around this, right? Like just a, a marketing firm around it. So the way my third company started, it was just like, uh, mm. Uh, okay, well, I'm already doing consulting already. I'm just right. going to put it under LLC. And then it started to get a little out of control. And it was like, oh, man, like, I got this other contract for 10000 I don't have any time for it, but I don't want to miss out on 10000 And so I just started hitting up my friends that were marketers. and like, yo, you want a contract on this for me? And I'll take a percentage or whatever. And those contractors end up turning into employees. And that's kind of how... Millicent's came about, right? It wasn't like this big leap. You know, it sounds like Sean Ellis became somewhat of a mentor that believed in you, that kind of guided you, that gave you some of that notoriety, could put you in a position. Right. And then you were able to then leverage that right. to go and start to start, you know, start your your first marketing right. agency. And I feel like a huge lesson there, and this is because like that happened to me too, is like find if you can find a mentor that you can learn from, that you can attach yourself to bring value to them, learn from that. Like I really genuinely feel feel that that can help put you in a huge position. Right. Like that that for sure, in my opinion, is such a huge catalyst that right. was for my career. And I, I think where the success leaves breadcrumbs. And right. I think that, you know, it sounds to me that you had when you had that, you have someone that you can like learn from or as a mentor in your life, do you feel that that really help put you in that position yeah. well i'm honest as hell okay so i wouldn't consider and this is no shade i wouldn't consider sean ellis a mentor okay right i consider sean ellis saw me as someone with potential yeah and saw my talents and yeah. utilized those talents right right um i think mentorship is something deeper and something personal like okay. i take mentorship very very seriously right and so, and this is nothing, not a knock on, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we were colleagues. We were, yeah, yeah. It does, it, I mean, yeah. Right. And, and I don't mean it in, in a sense of like, it even needs to be a mentor. But right. I'm just saying like, put yourself what? in a position where yeah. you're either, you know, you're valued. Right. right? You, were, you were valued. Right. So say someone comes to work for you, Gerard Adams, yeah. right? And it's like low on totem pole, whatever, Right. And they're just, they're busting their ass. And like, you might be able to give them a couple nuggets here and there, but you're not mentoring yeah, them, yeah. right? But they know working with you, I'm going to utilize that platform. Right. Right? And that's what I felt like I did with Sean Ellis. It was strategic. Like, I'm going to utilize this platform. Don't expect people to mentor you. Don't expect people to mm. take that time out, right? Prove prove value to that person, right? Prove value to them. Yeah. And then when you leverage and utilize their platform or their reputation, they can't say shit. Yeah. Right. You earned it. You earned it. Right. right? You earned it. And so um, I think that was very, very powerful. I'm so thankful for the opportunity, but yeah. I went in there and I fucking killed it. Right? Er earning it. Grinding. Earning it. You know Grinding. what I'm saying? And yeah, that's, that's, that was yeah. dope. Yeah. And so uh, from there, you know, Millicent's, that's how Millicent's got formed. And then uh, for Pop Social, 
Um, Pop Social was really, really interesting because initially I tried to like, I went to a couple investors because in my mind, uh, when I started building Pop Social, I was 26, like 26 going on 27, I believe. And this all gets washed <laughs> around. Um, but when I started building Pop Social, I still kind of had this fascination with like raising capital. Like it was like, I realized, and it's this weird thing in like Silicon Valley and tech is like the people that bootstrap and like built successful, profitable companies, they don't get the same recognition yeah. Oh, yeah. As, as unless you get the acquisition. Right? right. And then people are like, Oh wow, that's crazy. But you know, someone raising $10 million gets way more attention than someone who's profitable and made $10 million. Wow. Right. Yep. And so for me, as someone who was like trying to build my brand and things like that, I was like, maybe I should just go out there and raise like a yeah. couple mil and just, just to do it. Right. Um, but then I soon realized it's like, man, like you can just bootstrap this on your own, yeah. pay the employees out of your pocket, own, own the company, own the company. And, and, and I knew what pop social, build a profitable company. Yeah. Pop social. I realized from, and this is another lesson for you guys out here. One of the coolest things about being a serial entrepreneur is that a lot of times your next idea may stem from a company mm. that you currently have. Yeah. Right. So for Millicent's. We're a marketing firm. You gotta, you're going to have to pay us a bag to work on your social media and stuff like that. But we had so many small business owners or people trying to be influencers, trying to grow their brands on Instagram and social media, right? And so I knew they couldn't afford you know, mm. a quarterly deal for 25K or whatever it is. And so I was like, what can I do? How can I package this yeah. to make this affordable for everyday people and yeah. build software for everyday people to help them grow and build their audiences and get customers on social media. And that's how Pop Social formed. Wow. And even though those first couple VCs were like kind of turned me down, right? Um, I was like, I know this has product market fit. I know this is something that people need. And I just went out and built that, you know, yeah. and, and, and got the engineers and hired the, the firms to, to get the technology built and built Pop Social right then and there. That's a huge decision that you made. It was like, yo, I want to raise money. I'm seeing all these people get attention. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people out here, they want this notoriety. They want to get... Most people won't admit it either. Yeah, they won't yeah. even admit it. So yeah. like, wh wh what advice would you give to the entrepreneurs right now that are like seeking validation? Right. So um, like, you, like you said, we talked about this before, um, before, and I spent too much of my early entrepreneurial journey wanting the validation of others. When you've been doubted your entire life, you tend to want people to be like, you know what, you did it, right? You know, and you see things as like a Forbes 30 and the 30, or being on the cover of a magazine, or, or, or being able to raise capital as these things, and like you want that, that validation. And, and I tell people all the time is that, you know, those things are great. But you should go about it in a different way. Don't want Forbes 30 under 30 or to raise capital because you want people to be like, yo, he's he's the man. Right. That's the wrong thing. Needing that validation in that way. But going about all these things like for because Forbes 30 under 30, raising capital, all these things are great things. Right. But you should be doing it because it's a strategic business move. It's yeah. a strategic move for your personal brand because you know, hey, I'm on Forbes 30 under 30, price just went up. And yeah. so I spent too much time. I tell people all the time, for Forbes 30 under 30, for two years, for two years, I was like, not obsessed, but I was like, man, like, it'll be fucking dope to get on this list, right? Like, hitting people up, like, yo, can you submit me, nominate me, things like that, right? And most entrepreneurs, they try to act so fucking cool. They won't admit those things when there's so many entrepreneurs out here right now that's like, man, can you put in a Forbes study in the 30 application for <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. right? I know you. You guys are hitting me up right now, yeah, right? Yeah. So don't front. Like, be yourself. Like, I, that shit mattered to me. But you know what's so crazy? When I said F it and like didn't care about it anymore, didn't even try to get myself nominated, that's when it happened. It's crazy. It's crazy how those things work. Talk to me about some of your next moves. You got a new project that I'm really excited about. I'm an yeah. art collector. Right. I actually went to art school when I was a kid. It was the only thing that I wanted to be a part, like to right. do. I wasn't right. a good student, but I loved art to this day, right. I do. 
but you're I love um, I love the the founders of Blavity as well. Yeah. I like how you're specifically focusing on black artists right, right now right. and help to provide a platform for them. Right. Where did that inspiration come from and what is the vision for Art Noir? Right. So one of the things that I noticed about some black artists is like it's a struggle out here, right? Because you can't really tap into your creative nature because you got to do the thing that might like sell to the average person and so like a lot of black artists can't aren't getting discovered that are actually doing the dope dope stuff and you know as me becoming an art collector i'm like yo how do i find you guys you know like artsy is just too big you know it's it doesn't really highlight mm. black artists um, you know, hopefully you might come across somebody on Instagram. And so I'm like, yo, what can I do to, to change this? And that's how Art Noir were, was birthed. And I love that because I feel all great ideas, this is, what, this is how great ideas form. It's yeah. like something that you personally are looking for in the marketplace. Right. And then you're like, wow, this, this doesn't exist. Yeah. Like, why not? Why not? Create? Yeah. And the one thing I will say is, just because you want it, make sure you validate okay. that as product market fit. Because okay. just because it's something that you personally want, True. it might not be something that a lot of people want. But I took that time mm. over a year to validate that. I got fully engrossed within the art community, black artists, collected art, you know, really started to get respected within that community, right? And then that's when I launched it. And so uh, Art Noir, the vision for it is, uh, it's a media technology company. We're gonna have a media platform where we're gonna, where we're gonna be highlighting the dopest up and coming black artists. Um, we're gonna be providing them uh, with free business tools, right? Free and paid business tools. So you're gonna have free business tools um, as well as paid business tools for creatives and like creatives and artist types. It could be anyone from not just you know, visual artists, but like, you know, anybody, right? Musicians, whoever, mm. who need the business tools to you know, oh, wow. do accounting or help grow their brand on social media, whatever. So we're going to have free tools and paid tools. And that's one of the ways to that really we're help elevate them, help elevate them um, as artists and creatives. Right. So, you know, so a lot of artists and creatives I know is just like, one, they don't know how to get themselves out there. Right. And two, they don't know how to handle their business. That's so right? true. Handle their business. And so we're trying to do those two things. There's going to be a philanthropic arm where we're going to be giving out scholarships to uh, help artists get their supplies and things like that. We're going to be doing inclusive events to really highlight dope black artists because they can kind of get lost in the mix and galleries and other events and things like that. And so I'm really, really excited to Man, uh, make that happen. So yeah, 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 yeah. So, so we're really, we're I can't really wait. I got to get involved with that. Yeah, I love yeah. That, man. I'm super excited about that. And then uh, we're going to have merch. It's going to be a whole crazy thing. I'm so excited and I got so much love for you. Appreciate it, bro. I really do because we need more. This is why we, I'm such a huge supporter of entrepreneurs because you know, it's not only the like what we're able to to create and bring into the world, and what we're able to do for to create security and freedom for our, our family, for our loved ones, for ourselves. But it's like when you get to that point where you realize that like you have the ability to to also make an impact and help those that are less fortunate, or whether it's the youth or the homeless, or, or you know, and like I, when I see and I hear how you're using your platform, not only to continue to create and do what you love and have fun doing it and right. continue to, to do it because you love it but, and also continue to grow that, that wealth for you and for your family, but like knowing that like you're also using your platform to go and make social impact and yeah. do philanthropy. Absolutely. It's something that is important to me, going back to Newark and launching Future Founders. And you know, I'm working with the inner city kids teaching entrepreneurship and emotional intelligence, financial literacy, supporting them, supporting the creatives there. So like, I know what that's like and the fulfillment that comes with it. Like, you know, for me to go back there for the past three years and build that, that community out um, is something that I feel like a lot of people don't really, you know, talk about, you right. know? Um, and, and I feel like there's this sense of responsibility as entrepreneurs that when you go through what we've gone through, to, for the, to go through the struggle for the come up, right. you know, I think there's a sense of, you know, responsibility to give back. And, um, Absolutely. and especially because a lot of those communities like Newark, like Richmond, Richmond yeah. you know, we can't forget that like, yo, they really don't have role models. Like my high school 
the only other person that they asked to come back, like the only other successful person is Justin Bieber's photographer. <laughs> like that's it. I'm like, yo, there's no like there's no one else right now that like can come back right. and speak to this school. Right. It was like Justin Bieber's photographer. Right. Like they don't there's you know, it's I think it's really important for us to go back and be a representation, especially men of color, to go back and show that like, yo, you can completely change your circumstances. You Absolutely. don't need to get caught up in the drug game again, you know, getting involved in gangs, um, you know, putting yourself in a position where you will end up dead or in jail. Right. I think it's important for us to like really genuinely go back and be these role models. And I feel, you know, I feel like that's what I'm really also really excited about as far as building a personal brand. Absolutely. You know, because I feel like when you are a real businessman or woman and you become a serial entrepreneur, like you do not need to be doing this. Right. Right. You just don't. Right. You can be behind the scenes, and that's why it's so important to learn these skills and to understand real business, right? Because right. nobody can take that away from you. Never. Like, you do not need the shine at yeah. all. Like, we are yeah. not in it for the fame. Yeah. You know, so I think that's like the core of what is really important as an entrepreneur. But what's great, what I love now about social media is that, like, it has given us a platform as entrepreneurs to build our personal brands, Absolutely. which then shows. Like, and I'm talking about the real entrepreneurs can show the, the what we really have gone through, show the journey, and 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 sh do what we're doing right now, like share this so that it can impact, you know, the 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 young Hispanic, you know, young, young kid that's like growing up right now in an inner city, and hopefully we'll see this video, or the young black kid right now in an, in an inner city out there that may come across this video and be like, whoa, like he's done all of that, like. Right whoa, like, how have you looked at now yourself as a role model, as a as a personal brand? Right, right. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey for me. So you talk about the 15-year journey, right? So I never had a speaking engagement, a article written about me, anything until 2015. You know, for me, it was like getting comfortable with being like, looked up to I'm like yo I just want to tweet whatever I want and say whatever I want and it's been like kind of a weird it's been a weird like transition for me but man it's so fulfilling bro it's yeah. so it's so fulfilling it's so necessary it's so needed and I understand that now and um, I'm so grateful for those moments and they inspire me I know it's a lot of responsibility but you know I take it seriously um, and I know that I'm not perfect and I try to be as vulnerable and humble as possible about that. Um, but I think it's just kind of being more mindful of your influence. Yeah. Mindful of your influence and, uh, you know, understanding that even, you know, there's some days I'm pretty sure you wake up and you're like, man, like, I just don't have it today, man. I just don't have it. But it's just like, yo. There's somebody out there that might need that inspiration, might need that story, might need this to, yeah. to really get them going. You know, what's interesting is we're living in a crazy time where you're seeing over these past three years, really, because I think 2015, that's when, like, I feel everyone really started to pop off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even the Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, he's been doing the YouTube for a long time. For like, so even, long. Even his, he's yeah, so it was long. crazy. Right. He, so he's, like, the, you know, probably the pioneer as an entrepreneur building a personal brand. But I've been seeing over the past few years um, a lot of entrepreneurs starting to brand themselves. But I know so many that have literally lived over a decade of struggle, but that are not sharing their journey. They right. fear like coming out, you know? And, right. you know, I just... I was the same way. I was the same way for a very, very long time. I actually looked down, right. I can admit, admit it, I used to look down on some of these people who were like, I felt was overly self-promotional. Yeah. Right? Or yeah, that's how I honest I gotta say, like being vulnerable, like that's how I even feel. Like sometimes I on myself, I'm like, man, like I feel like sometimes like man, I'm just I'm this dude, like I'm 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 putting out inspiration, motivation, and I feel like, damn, sometimes I think about it, I'm like, man, I could probably look like such a douchebag. Mm -hmm. I probably look like such a douchebag. You can't like you can't. But then I'm yeah, you know, yeah. like I feel like sometimes I feel like that though, and I'm like, man, but then I get that DM. Yeah. You know, yeah. I get that that comment, I get that letter. Right. You know, and I can't even tell you like how many DMs I get, man, that like make me emotional. Yeah. That like people that are like seriously depressed right. or like, you know, wanna quit, wanna give up. Like yeah. you know, and um like it's crazy how much 
impact you can have on someone's life through yeah. that freaking little device or that one little quote, that one little video. Yeah, and I tell people, man, like, it's, it's, it's crazy that no matter what you do in life, and I want to tell this to you, I want to tell this to you guys, I want to tell you to everyone that's watching, no matter what you do in life, there will always be haters, there will always be people who just have nasty things to say or negative things to say, right? You could go out there and give $10 million out to some kids in some whatever country or whatever to help them that, you know, we're living in poverty and they'd be like, oh, why don't you give that money to, to kids in the United States or whatever? It's like, bro, no one is pleased. So if I'm doing something and I know that I'm helping out, you have like 300,000, you know that 280,000 of those people love it. They just, they eat it up. They, they, you help them. Who gives a shit about those 30, 40,000 people who are like, have whatever else to say? The, there's a net positive. And that's the way I've, I've learned about it. I used to be insecure about talking about my story or, or, you know, trying to give out advice and things like that publicly. And it's like, yeah, of course, there's going to be people that are hating. Yeah. A lot of people that'll smile on your face. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you understand because you see it firsthand, the effect that that's happening on people. Yeah. Yeah, the net effect, I love yeah. it.